Hi, and welcome to Pop Shifter's Horror Movie Podcast. I'm Leslie Moore. And I'm Sean. And tonight we're going to cover 10 movies that we recommend. And they're horror movies. Yes, they are horror movies. Hence the horror movie podcast. Good point. So what we've decided to do, because they're all such great movies, and we didn't want to, um, I guess, feature one greater than the other or whatever, or give preference to whatever title, although we do have personal favorites within these 10. Which will be revealed. We decided to go alphabetically. Um, so if the movie starts with a B, as our next one does, it's going to be first because nothing starts with an A or a C. So first up, we've got Basket Case, which is uh, from 1982. It's an American movie, uh, and it's uh, directed by, I need some help with this name. Frank Henenlotter. All right. And uh, basically, uh, without getting too spoilerish, although we'll probably have some spoilers along the way here. Sorry, folks. Um, we've got this main character, Dwayne Bradley, who's sort of, uh, he seems like he's a bit of a nerd character, uh, a bit of an, a social outcast, and we see him at the beginning of the movie walking down a dark, seedy New York street with a big uh, wicker basket, which sort of looks like a picnic basket, and uh, a lot of the promos for this movie um, echoed the, uh, the line, What's in the basket? Which is actually repeated frequently in the film, because yes. several characters do ask him. And actually, the original title of the movie was, What's in the basket? Oh, was it really? No, I'm just making oh. <laughs> Anyhow, um, you can't have a horror movie with a mystery like what's in the basket and not ever find out what's in the basket. So we do find out that Dwayne has this deep, dark secret, although he's a very uh, innocent-looking guy. I guess he's sort of... Uh, he's really young, isn't he? Like maybe yeah, early I'd say 20s. early 20s. So we find out that what he's been hiding in this basket mm-hmm. is his uh, severed, uh, I guess, separated Siamese twin brother, named Belial, who uh, looks like a Boglin toy. I don't know if any of you remember Boglins from the 80s, which were these little uh, goblin toys that looked uh, sort of like Krang from Ninja Turtles. And uh, and the eye creature from Big Trouble in Little China melded together. Um, so what um, Dwayne is doing in New York City is he is he and Belial actually are seeking revenge on the doctors who separated them. Because, uh, I guess, the father didn't really like Belial, <laughs> saying that he referred to it as it and wouldn't acknowledge that uh, Belial was actually one of his sons. Well, actually, too, that the mom died in childbirth, so right. he was resentful. Right, of course. Um, and uh, we also find out that the separation was a botched attempt. They were supposed to kill Belial, but he somehow survived in a trash bag, and he became this murdering psychopath because there's not, not many career opportunities <laughs> for a, a head with arms sticking out of the side. So um, Dwayne and Belial are on this uh, revenge spree trying to track down all these different doctors who uh, operated on them. And uh, during the course of the movie, Dwayne falls in love with the receptionist, receptionist rather of one of these doctors, and uh, Belial gets very jealous. Yeah, uh, what's interesting about this movie is that it's really low budget, but 
it's surprisingly compelling. I mean, some of the special effects are creepy, mostly Belial's face, and of course this really graphic scene towards the end of the film, which we won't reveal, but uh, you'll know it when you see it. It has to do with sausages. (laughs) No, that's at the beginning. Okay. But, um, you know, despite the low budget and despite the cast of amateurs, everybody's really appealing. And even though everything in the movie looks incredibly dingy and disgusting and like maybe you'd want to spray it down with some disinfectant before you even walked through the rooms, (laughs) um, it does give it a very believable and realistic quality. And you do kind of root for the main characters, even though they're going after these people and killing them. The doctors aren't all that great in the first place, so you you kind of feel like their murders are justified in a way. Yeah, and the hotel where a lot of the action takes place at is apparently a real CD motel that they found. Well, I think that um, it was supposed to evoke the images of sort of the red light district uh, in New York, which was famously you know, cleaned up years later. In fact, I think even by Giuliani. (laughs) Hilarious. The the one good thing he's done. (laughs) Arguably, it was a good thing. And um, what, you know, a lot of people have said that kind of took a lot of the charm, if you will, out of the area because it really kind of made it very pasteurized and boring. But I think some of the exteriors were shot at motels and I know that the bar scene was shot at a real S&M bar called the Hellfire Club but for the most part it was just you know kind of cobbled together from real locations to look like a motel but I don't know if one particular motel was actually used. Oh that would be interesting if they used several different ones because it sort of knitted together yeah, all Yeah uh, it did seamlessly. a really good job. Cool. Yeah, and even the doctor's office was very dingy and gross. Oh, I would yeah. not want to go for any sort of checkup. No, definitely <laughs> in that not. Dark, stinky office. Now, you can't smell it, obviously, but you could tell that it smells. Uh, one thing you were saying about the cast of uh, relative unknowns is just looking through our list. Uh, a lot of the movies do uh, fall under that category where it's uh, unknowns mostly for the most part yeah and i think that sometimes helps a movie to be more appealing if you're not distracted by a big name star where you've kind of got their previous films in the back of your mind and then you can't really believe them as the character that they're playing that's why i had trouble believing in uh david bowie as the goblin king i kept picturing him in the music video with mick jagger dancing in the streets and and also his really bad wig Yes. <laughs> and codpiece. Or but lack thereof. But that's for another another podcast. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next film on the list is called Death Dream, also known as Dead of Night. It was directed by Bob Clark. It's another American film. It came out in 1974. And Bob Clark is probably more well-known for Black Christmas and A Christmas Story, which is not a horror movie. Um, but it's kind of funny that of two of his better-known films, about two are about Christmas, and one's a horror movie and one's a comedy. So <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, what I liked about Death Dream, and I really have nothing bad to say about it, I, I feel it's pretty much a perfect film, is it's a great combination of 
horror and social commentary. And I find that those types of movies are the ones that stay with me. And I think just the horror genre in general is sort of underrated by, I guess, mainstream film critics. Like, I can't imagine a horror movie being nominated for an Oscar. Maybe that's, for special effects. That's true. And I think uh, part of the problem of the horror genre is uh, not necessarily the genre itself, but the fact that other movies that aren't really horror movies are classified as horror movies. So you've got stuff that are slasher films, uh, like totally just trying to be gross for the sake of trying to be disgusting. And uh, so people nowadays would associate horror with slasher movies really which aren't necessarily the same thing true good point uh, i think that's that's pretty accurate especially for kind of mainstream film audiences but this movie was great it had great special effects uh, tom savini worked on this and on the dvd there's a great little interview with him he is just such a fascinating guy so that's a really neat feature uh, the lead actor super creepy and in fact, this is his first film role, and I don't know if I could take him seriously in anything else because he's just so incredibly creepy. Uh, it's a good kind of take on what happens to families after someone comes back from a war experience, particularly Vietnam. This is an early Vietnam film in that it kind of talks about the negative side and not sort of the glory of, you know, soldiers like a lot of previous war movies did. The The music is great. Carl Zittrer, who also did the music for Black Christmas, did the score, and it's really creepy and effective. And just anybody who likes sort of this commentary on war, maybe like Taxi Driver or something really creepy and sort of haunting, people who like zombie or vampire movies um, because it kind of you know straddles the line between both without really being either um, will like this and of course you know just kind of that low budget bare bones 70s style of filmmaking which unfortunately you really don't see that much anymore I mean I, I know that there's indie films out there but there's a lot of kind of fake indie films that profess to be indie which actually have huge budgets and well known actors so they're, exactly. they're not very indie and uh going back to just the 70s style of making movies where you'd have like really long shots that were held for a long time and just the the gradual build-up of the uh i guess up to the climax like there's just a slow slow build and it keeps you uh, in suspense basically for lack of a better term I yeah don't think there is one yeah i agree so do you want to talk about the next movie on the list? Well, I just wanted to say that the uh, the main actor in this movie, uh, Death Dream, he is definitely super creepy. And uh, <clears throat> when he is normal, or when you think he's normal, he looks like there's something wrong with him. Um, he's obviously shell-shocked, or so we think, from coming back from Vietnam. But uh, then when he starts becoming monsterish, if you will, and he's got his corpse effects going on it's uh it's definitely some of the best uh, zombie makeup and it's it's really subtle too so it's it's believable that way like his he's not losing an arm or anything like that it's like he's just yeah slowly deteriorating it, it kind of reminded me um and I, I don't know who directed this but i remember there was a frankenstein movie that 
used to play on TV when I was a kid. So this would have been like mid to late seventies. And the, the guy, or did I say Dracula? Cause I meant no, to you say said Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Okay. Yes. The guy who played Frankenstein was really good looking. And so through the course of the movie, he just started to decay and like his, face would sort of rot and melt off and it was so gross and i remember really being freaked out by that as a kid and this movie reminded me a lot of that yeah you know what else this movie reminded me of which is actually kind of funny um the movie dark man where liam neeson has to have a facial prosthetic that deteriorates within an hour i believe it is and uh so it's sort of like a similar thing where he has to keep on doing this thing in order to keep his looks up mm-hmm. so uh so there's that but yeah let's move on to our next movie and uh it looks like i'm getting all the hard to pronounce names tonight <laughs> so our next uh next flick on the list is demons which is an italian movie from uh 1985 uh directed by lamberto bava is yes. that uh, see i couldn't tell from the uh the font if this was a y or a v so <laughs> lamberto bava and uh, so Demons is this, uh, I think, more on the slasher end of things, uh, actually. So there really isn't the the big suspense or, uh, um, I guess, psychological aspect of this. No, it's pretty movie. much just gore and people being chased. <laughs> yeah. So what happens are these two girls are on the subway and uh, some guy in a metal mask hands them movie tickets to this premiere of a movie, like people in metal masks often do. <laughs> um, and uh, they decide that, hey, you know, this guy gave us these, these tickets. We may as well go see this movie. And so they show up to this uh, theater that uh, is very old looking and uh, creepy also. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of uh, sinister visuals in, in the movie before the demons uh, break loose. I hope I'm not giving too much away by saying <laughs> there no, are there's demons. Some, there's some good uh, fall. Yeah. <laughs> there are demons in the movie Demons. <laughs> there's some good false scares too. Yeah, that's true. And and I think for uh, for its time, and, and I'm not sure uh, about other Italian horror movies, but uh, this one actually seems very North American uh, with exception to the dubbing of the voices. Yeah, yeah it's got like a, a real kind of um, mainstream rock pop soundtrack even though the bands aren't necessarily American it was all stuff that you would hear on American radio you know there's like exactly. Billy Idol and Saxon bands yeah so Go West. it's it's pretty uh, you know I guess it was geared towards like the younger crowd right been listening to that so what happens during the course of this movie again without giving too much away is during the film um, in the movie there is a movie going on and in that movie there is a uh, demon outbreak where uh, <laughs> this metal mask again comes into play. And but it's it turns... not the one from the Quiet Riot video. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, so this metal mask turns people into demons. And lo and behold, in the, in the real part of the movie it gets it's kind of uh it's, it's very self-reflexive in that way somewhat post-mortem <laughs> post-mortem <laughs> post-modern <laughs> uh, so <Good> times um <laughs> in in the reality of the movie uh there are there's this pimp and, and he takes these two hookers into the film because when you're a pimp sometimes you like to treat your uh hookers to uh, to a good movie <laughs> and uh, one of the hookers sees this prop metal mask and touches it and cuts herself and she then 
metamorphosizes into a demon at some point. And uh, we were talking about this movie yesterday, and one of our favorite parts is uh, the transformation from human to demon is is really cool because their fingernails extend, and their human teeth actually fall out, and demon teeth are pushed yeah, down through the gums. Yeah, it's, that's it's really awesome. It's great. So, and and the pimp character, I was saying, uh, he's sort of like the prototypical Sam Jackson. So I believe that at some point in time. Maybe when he was very young, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson watched Demons and decided, I'm going to be that guy, and I'm going to be that guy in every in single every thing movie. I do, ever. Oh, so true. So did you have anything to add about Demons? I just wanted to say that uh, the whole transformation special effects thing um, reminded me of the Thriller video. Oh, And yeah. clearly, you know, which in it, which in itself came from the special effects that were used in American Werewolf in London. So this sort of, you know, transformation special effects type thing was really popular at that point in time. And, right. And, and I believe, it, it's cool, though. I, mean, I believe they really used something cool. like that in Teen Wolf as well. Yeah, they did. They and, and actually, did. because of that, I get... Uh, Teen Wolf and American Werewolf uh, <laughs> mixed up. Wow! In my mind, a lot. I've yeah. never, I've never admitted that to anybody. Well, you've never seen American Werewolf in London because if you saw it, you'd never get it mixed up. <laughs> it couldn't be more different. Why isn't Teen Wolf on this list? <laughs> the next movie is Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, another '70s feature. Uh, 1973, actually made for TV, U.S. production, and it's directed by John Newland. I love this movie. I remember hearing about it as a kid and always being so freaked out by just seeing previews or hearing people talk about it. I never actually saw it. Somebody mentioned it as the movie where there's things in the fireplace, and that totally <laughs> freaked me out. And, you know, it wasn't until I actually watched it last year that I finally understood what the things in the fireplace were. And I won't really reveal too much about them because you kind of have to see... <laughs> you kind of have to see them to believe them. But, you know, this married couple inherits this old house. There's secrets in the house. And it's one of those neurotic woman movies where she sees and hears things. No, no one believes her. Her husband thinks she's crazy. And it just escalates until it's just unavoidable. No one can deny that something bad is going on in this house. It's really creepy. It's got low-key special effects, but what they do have is really believable. It doesn't look fake. You know, there's a lot of shadows and things that kind of maybe cover up stuff that was not actually real and so they did a really good job especially for a tv movie like i, I mean i was really creeped out by it. it it would have easily been a you know mainstream theater pro or a cinema production yeah i'm surprised it was just made for tv and there's lots of really good uh, camera angles in the movie again uh, obscuring yeah. what the uh the things in the fireplace are <laughs> right um just uh Going along with this uh, movie, I, I can think of some alternate titles for the movie, which are uh, Don't Go Into the Fireplace, <laughs> or There's Things in the Fireplace. Well, I actually read that the I think this might have been the movie. It's one of the movies on this list, and uh, it may be this one. It may be um, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, which we're going to talk about a bit later on. But the previews for it, where they keep repeating the word don't, I think actually inspired the fake trailer 
for Don't that was done in Grindhouse. That's right. And I don't yeah, remember if it was this one or another one, but I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, one quick thing I would like to say, and I hope this doesn't ruin anyone's enjoyment of this movie when they see it, is that the mom that is so goofy and better off dead that asks him, you know, if he wants raisins in his food and she's just such a dingbat. You like raisins. Exactly. That is the same actress, Kim Darby, who plays Sally in Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I didn't even... Of course, uh, she's much younger, but... I didn't even recognize yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. When I saw it, I thought she looked familiar, and then I had to go look it up, and I was like, yep, that's her. Also, I didn't recognize her because she has all that coal in her in her face, <laughs> in her hair. For being in, She hangs out in there. She has tea with these <laughs> things in the fireplace. No, really, she doesn't. No. They're Smurfs. Um, <laughs> the next movie is Just Before Dawn. This is a bit later. This is 1981, directed by Jeff Lieberman who also directed Blue Sunshine, which will be talked about in the, I guess, PS to the podcast, which is five more cool horror movies to watch. Uh, it's another American film, and it's a slasher film, and it's a, a camping slasher film. So the, the terror in the woods that is going to pick off these kids one by one. Which is its own genre. Yeah, definitely. Sub-genre. Sub but, the, you, uh, you know, unlike something like Friday the 13th, you actually do kind of care about these people. I mean, some of them are kind of irritating, but you you do, you know, worry, oh, they're, you know, going to get killed. The guy's right there. Look out. Whereas in Friday the 13th, honestly, you know, I didn't see it until much, much later because I wasn't really allowed to see horror movies as a kid. Plus, I was too freaked out. I didn't yeah, want to see want, it. Yeah, I didn't want to see it. <laughs> but, I mean, they're just all so annoying. You don't really care if they die, whereas in this, you, you actually feel bad, you know, if someone's being stalked. But it's really creepy. It's got this very haunting, whistling music in it that starts right away with the, you know, the opening scenes of woods, trees, and sort of the sun coming up over the horizon. And it just gives this very otherworldly sort of air and having gone camping a lot as a kid in the 70s it it did kind of give me this weird sort of flashback feeling um, of being out in the middle of nowhere and you know my dad trying to freak me out trying to like make me scared <laughs> reading stuff like the birds you know over the campfire and then I couldn't sleep because I was at, so terrified at least he didn't tell you about old man Bolton <laughs> No, <laughs> he definitely didn't tell me about Old Man Bolton. Which, for more on that, check out the yeah. uh, interview with the bicycles. Yeah, in fact, you really should because that just that one part is pretty much worth the you know <laughs> the entire the interview. entire interview. Um, but yeah, this movie is really great, uh, and I think if you haven't seen it, it's pretty neat because it's it's fairly early on in the slasher genre. I mean, before it got to be so sort of commercialized with the endless Friday the 13th sequels and the endless Nightmare on Elm Street sequels and all that kind of stuff. So and before it was so slasher, too. I mean, Yeah, there is actual plot. Yeah, most of this is uh, is anxiety, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's an anxiety slasher movie. Yeah. Although the, there is some serious gore. Yeah. Not a true. lot, but it's it's pretty shocking. Yeah, some of the ways that uh, people die are, Especially, are uh, very uncomfortable. The, the end, there there is a, there is a really kind of crazy twist at the end that is very innovative and and we'll just leave it at that <laughs> one thing that this uh movie kind of reminds me of and again this is something that is more recent is uh resident evil 4 
just thinking of like the the enemy or the zombie or whatever these guys are but that look kind of backwater like oh yeah like that redneck hillbilly like, thing. Uh, this redneck we could <laughs> this guy we can get away from him he's just a redneck but no. right right <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, they're resourceful. Yes, it's... exactly. <laughs> very, can- very canny. Those those rednecks. He knows the woods a lot better. <laughs> yeah, definitely than these kids. But yeah, definitely a gross, uh, gross movie. I mean, some, there's something about lumberjacks, and no offense to lumberjacks, but there's just something somewhat scary about them. Like the the old raisin brand commercial where the guy's climbing yeah. the tree. You know, he looks like, and they're just so tough looking. Yeah, and, and like. But it's not a lumberjack who's the killer. We're just saying in general. Yeah. There is something scary woods, about lumberjacks. Woodsmen. <laughs> let's say, for lack of a better Paul Bunyan. You know, He's those, creepy. Those fellows who are indigenous to the deciduous forests <laughs> of uh, the Midwest. <laughs> All right. So should we go on to the next one? Yeah. All right. Our next movie, again, is uh, from a director whose name is somewhat difficult to pronounce. His Jorge name is, Grau. I was going to say his name is Jorge Grau. <laughs> and the movie is Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, also known as Don't Do Not Rather Speak Ill of the Dead. Uh, this is from 1974, and it's uh, credited as having, having origins in uh, Italy slash Spain. So that I didn't know about the Spain part. I just thought it was an Italian movie. Uh, and again, because it's an Italian movie, there is some uh, dubbing issues, but I quickly really got over them because the plot is so uh, intriguing and uh, and well-paced, and the characters are really different in this one uh, as opposed to other horror-typical um, characters that are kind of like... Eh, yeah, like the stock, eh. the stock characters. And, you know, you've got your typical, uh, I'm a boy and you're a girl, so we'll fall in love because we're in this horrible situation. So there's none of that kind of stuff going on. So basically, there's this guy, George, who's a, a really cool-looking dude. He drives a motorcycle. He's a rather badass. He smokes. He's got aviator shades, a leather jacket, a really cool hat. Yeah, the fashion in this is great. I particularly yeah, he, liked the woman's coat, and yes. I kept commenting, God, I, I love, really like her coat. I love that coat. <laughs> yeah, there's really good fashion going on in uh, in this movie, and uh, and the characters who are not annoying are, are great. Uh, George, the main guy, who's an antiques dealer, he's riding his bike across... Uh, to uh, some other town where he's purchased a property that he and his friends are going to be fixing up over the weekend. So he makes a stop at uh, a gas station where he uh, runs into, or rather is run into, by Edna, who is uh, somewhat dingbatty at first. So she's uh, instantly portrayed as, uh, this. she's just some crazy woman. <laughs> she goes in reverse accidentally and knocks over George's bike which then needs repairs, so she offers to drive him to wherever he's going, and then they kind of... Well, it's more like he offers her to... Right, he, he says, basically insists. That's it, I'm taking your car and I'm driving. I'll <laughs> drop you off, and then she, you know, she's feeling bad because he's yelling at her. Right. And of course, really, she shouldn't have hit his bike. It was a nice bike. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the first casualty of the movie, is the bike. Um, then they end up arguing over, well, I have to go here, but I have to go here. And, and uh, then it turns out that they're stuck together for the whole movie. And uh, 
I don't want to give too much away about this one. Um, it is uh, zombie-ish in uh, in its genre, but it's very different from um, basically any zombie movie. Yeah, it's that very low-key. It's not very gory. Uh, well, the scenes of gore are few but effective. Yeah, definitely. I would have to say. It's just more about uh, their struggle with authority, really. Yeah. Because yeah. they... George knows what's going on uh, somewhat early on, and he knows how to stop it, too, which is really frustrating, and no one listens to him. And he's an adult, so it's not like the kid in the movie, you know, the teenagers, but like in The Blob, for example. Right. When, you know, there's, there's a blob. <laughs> the, and, the teenagers. Yeah, the 40-year-old teenagers in The Blob. And, of course, the cops are like, dang, fool, kids causing trouble, you know. But these these people are adults, so it's even more irritating that the authorities don't believe them. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, this is probably my favorite movie on this list of, uh, of lots of good movies, uh, I should say, and uh, one that I actually wouldn't mind owning if we were to find it in a store. Yeah, it's really good. Um, there is one character that stands out. Oh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, George and Edna, they're good, but there's this one character that is is probably the most irritating character in any movie ever that you just really want to die. And that and that includes Shia LaBeouf's character in any movie he's ever been in. And and as, as Sean mentioned uh, to me yesterday, also more irritating than than Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. But, yes. but in the same way where you just want to smack him. But yeah. but it just amped up a hundred times. And also like Walter Peck, this character, he's a, he's a policeman. And uh, Walter Peck also has lots of authority in Ghostbusters, as does this policeman, obviously, right, right. who's in charge of the investigations going on around town. And, uh, yeah, they just abuse their power, and because they are the boss, they're yeah. all-knowing, and no one can tell them any difference. So that right. his arrogance sort of makes him even a bigger jerk. Yeah, it's a good generation is. gap kind and what, of a thing. One of my favorite lines in the movie, actually, is spoken by him, where he uh, gives this other uh, officer... Um, a, a tongue lashing because he his uniform is like his shirt's untucked and he says uh tuck your shirt in this is a, a uniform not a pajama or something <laughs> yeah, along something those like you're wearing lines, a uniform not a pair of pajamas which is a great line it's just so it's so um aggravated sounding and everybody else in the movie is like relatively calm and you're just like what is up with this guy like and right at that, away at that point he, he's not really established as a jerk yet, so it's just right, like, wow, this, this guy is kind of funny, but then, no, he's just a jerk. Um, so, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good movie. Highly recommended. Um, the next movie on the list, I think, is probably my favorite, um, although I do really like Death Dream a lot, uh, which we talked about a little earlier. Um, but this is another early 70s film. It's called Let's Scare Jessica to Death directed by John D. Hancock, and it's another American movie. Again, it's kind of like Don't Be Afraid of the Dark in that it's the neurotic woman sort of stereotype. You know, no one believes her. Right. But coupled with her, you know, c conviction that something's going on is the fact that she actually was just released from a mental hospital. So then there's this added layer of as the viewer, you don't really know if what she's seeing is real or just her mental illness. Exactly. And and also, like, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, 
it does uh, the setup involves them going to this new house. Right, that's true. That's true. So you know, it may be something in the house. It may be her imagination. It may be something in the town, and you don't really know what exactly is happening. It's really spooky. It's very shadowy. Again, you know, I don't think there was a large budget. Um, the gore is limited, but it's effective. And you know, honestly, the whole movie just has this really creepy clammy feel to it yeah um when they go up into the house in the very beginning it's kind of surrounded in this fog i think it's supposed to take place somewhere in new england near a lake so naturally you know there'd be a fog around but it it, the whole movie feels like it's in a fog you know like it just feels cold and and uncomfortable and it's such a great portrayal of that sort of line between reality and and fantasy and in terms of you know am i really seeing this or is is this just something that my mind has created and the the actress who plays jessica is fantastic she's very sympathetic oh what about the actress who plays the uh antagonist yes yes she's great too she's really good she's uh she's very disturbing her eyes yeah she's got dead eyes like a like a doll's eyes (laughs) um yeah so you know you again you kind of get into what's going on with the people before this you know threat approaches them which another thing i like about a lot of older horror films is that a lot of times the characters have kind of their own issues before a monster or an evil force or whatever comes into their lives so then that really kind of exacerbates the situation you know they're not necessarily fully functioning and equipped to handle this threat right and and so there's a lot of uh, self-doubt cast upon them Exactly. Because they're not sure if uh, even what they're experiencing right. is really going on. Or if they're just too, you know, shell-shocked to, to deal with it properly. Exactly. So I I really love this movie, and the music is great, too. Um, not typical horror movie music, but it, it is very evocative. So who do you think would like this movie? I think, you know, again, people that like that sort of low-key 70s-style Um, psychological thrillers, and even people with, you know, looking for something kind of different in the zombie or vampire genre, because it it is a bit of both. But, um, you know, and again, it's not... It's not so clear cut where it's like, oh, this is a movie about this and, you know, this is how it has to happen. It's not a stock character. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's great for the time and i think if a movie like this came out now i mean considering what's you know being made now it people would think it was boring right they wouldn't get it but um i think this is the kind of movie that probably should be made now because it does touch on so many more i guess relevant issues than oh you know kids are traveling and some guy you know kidnaps them and tortures them and oh you know like i, I mean I guess we all know what movie I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> but it just you know it's kind of boring and overdone. So exactly. So our next movie on the list is uh, it's by a director whose name I can actually pronounce. Uh, the movie <laughs> is Magic. The director is Richard Attenborough, and uh, it's from 1978. Stars a very young uh, and very handsome Anthony Hopkins. 
as Corky, who is a magician. Uh, at the first, uh, at first, he's a struggling magician, and uh, he gets booed off stage. But then uh, we see later on that he has somehow made a name for himself uh, locally, and he's coming up to his big break. He's uh, done the talk show rounds, and uh, he's done so by uh, augmenting his act with this uh, ventriloquist dummy. I always want to call them mannequins. Yes. You I could don't be, know why. You could be like on Freaks and Geeks. It's a figure. It's a figure, <laughs> action figure, or a doll. It is a ventriloquist dummy. Dummy, And yes. this is the last time I'll say that word. Um, and his name is Fats. So from here on out, Fats, you know who he is. So Corky and Fats are this magic act. And uh, they're more uh, wisecracking than magic. Because yeah, it sounds fats... like a vaudeville thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, I guess 78, I guess it's, it's very uh, of the time. I remember seeing magicians on television uh, as a kid where they would bring out the, uh, the dummy and uh, do their thing. Oh, yeah. Edgar Bergen, Candace Bergen's father. He yeah. Was a Lots famous, of variety yeah. shows were still exactly. on the air in the, in the early 80s, or maybe they were just reruns. Uh, anyhow, so Corky and uh, Fats, they're they're about to hit it really big. And their manager, played by the awesome Burgess <laughs> Meredith, who is made up to look even older. Well, he wasn't actually really that old. Oh, that's right. I guess he was yeah. like middle-aged here. Yeah. All right. So he was made up to look old. He actually ends up looking like Ed McMahon <laughs> in this movie. Like, really. He really looks like Ed McMahon. Yeah, he really does. And uh, so his agent is about to uh, get... Corky, his own television show. Corky and Fats were going to have a show, but the only stipulation is that Corky has to pass a, a physical, and he freaks out. And why would he freak out for a, a physical? I mean, I, I don't really like the doctor touching my my uh, naughty bits, but <laughs> you know, everyone should do this at some point in their lives, and uh, Corky freaks out and flies the coop with uh, Fats, and uh, he just goes off to this cabin that um, I guess it was some sort of rental. Or well, it's uh, in the Catskills, and I think this is near where he grew up as a kid. Right, yeah, because, because his love interest is there. Right. So apparently his love interest, who's, uh, what's her name again? Oh, Anne-Margaret. Anne-Margaret. Well, in the movie it's Peggy, but that's right. the actress, yeah. Yes. So Peggy, she is actually there. Her parents ran this, uh, I guess, Lodge this or whatever, lodge. Yeah. And uh, left it to her. So now she's just hanging around. She's not really doing anything with it. So she's surprised when Corky shows up. And uh, Corky's had this crush on her since he was a kid. So uh, as things unfold, we find out very uh, disturbing things that you don't really want to know about Corky. Because he's genuinely a really likable character. Yeah, he's kind of a sad sack. You know, shy and not really sure of himself. And so you feel really sorry for him. Whereas Fats is just the jerk. Yeah, he's just uh, an ass. Of course... (laughs) Fats being the uh, the the doll uh, or action figure, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> the dummy. Fats, Fats is the dummy, but he actually proves that he is no dummy and uh, Ooh, quite good quite a mastermind. Now, see, if this movie came out now, that that would totally be the tagline: like "I ain't no dummy." Or I ain't no dummy, damn it! <laughs> of course, and it would uh, be voiced by Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no sucker, dummy. <laughs> Jibba jabba. Okay, that was lame. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I'll say we'll cut that out, but we're, we're going to leave that in <laughs> so we know to never do it again. Um, one thing about this movie that uh, sticks with me 
is uh, Anthony Hopkins' performance as the uh, pathetic um, but charming Corky. He really reminds me of... Uh, uh, What's his name? Robin Williams. Oh, I could totally see Robin Williams man, playing this but character. But not manic. Yeah, yeah not but, like as but not, not Mrs. Doubtfire. No, Robin no, like and not Patch Adams. Robin no, Williams. but like the Fisher King. Yeah. Or, or or one hour photo. I don't know if you saw one hour photo. No, I didn't. I, super... I saw I saw Death to uh, Smoochie. Which yeah. Oh I yeah, that's a good would example. Suit, yeah. Would suit this movie. Now, uh, yeah, I don't want to give too much away about it, but it's great, great. Uh, Filmmaking. It's a good and psychological thriller slash horror movie. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really very again great suspense. It's almost like you you can't even bear watching it because you don't know what's going to happen, but you know at one point like it, it gets to this point that we were like nothing good is going to happen. Yeah, so it's, it's very just uncomfortable. All. all you know, panic at watching this unfold. Yeah, there are some parts that were so uncomfortable that I didn't know if I could finish watching the movie, but of course I, I did, and uh, I was glad that I did. Yeah, it's great. Highly recommended as well. And also, just having one of those dummies in a movie kind of guarantees that. Yeah, it's and it's be not done disturbing. in a goofy way like Chucky. Right. It's it's actually really really creepy. Yeah, he doesn't have any. Well, he does have some cheesy one-liners, but it's not. It's not right. It's Chucky all in context. Cheesy. Exactly. Yeah. Not Chucky cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean that. So good. <laughs> uh, well, we've got a couple more movies on the list um, for movies we recommend. Then we're going to do a quick rundown of five movies that you shouldn't watch, or at so least stick around for we that. Recommend. Um, we don't recommend. Rather, uh, the next one is Tombs of the Blind Dead. This is a Spanish film. From Amando de Osorio. Um, you had a hard to pronounce. 1971. There. There's actually a couple of sequels to this, but uh, we have not seen those. Tombs of the Blind Dead is really, really cool. I, I mean, to say a horror movie is cool sounds really kind of, I don't know, naive, but it's it is really cool. It's yeah, got it's... this great sort of, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to say antique or like vintage, but based on the characters who are Knights Templar who are raised from the dead, it's just got this almost medieval feeling, which, I mean, it should because mm-hmm. of the characters, but it just gives it a different vibe from sort of like, oh, a vampire or, you know, a zombie or something. It's it's a very interesting atmosphere that the movie yeah, creates. Yeah, and, and anything that's sort of... Uh Descendant of uh, a Catholic scandal yeah, yeah. is uh, is instantly cool. Like yeah. this version of the movie, uh, the English English version rather, opens up with the uh, woman being uh, prepared for sacrifice. And yeah, uh, which is I was shocked because in 1971, like yeah, that wouldn't have worked in the U.S. I I assume that the U.S. version was cut, you know, quite drastically. Yeah, and they made Greedo shoot first. So. <laughs> Uh, but staying on uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, it's uh, it, it seems very ahead for its time, mm-hmm. and we even see movies borrowing from it today. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings, um, when they show the um, ring wraiths on horseback with their cloaks. I mean, it's it's directly taken from some scenes in this film. It's done in slow motion. There's mist. You know, there's sort of this haunting music, and then of course the creepy noises that they make. 
Um, Peter Jackson obviously was a big fan of this movie. Yeah, there's no way Peter Jackson didn't see this. No, movie. no, and there's I and no I way. seem to remember reading something later that you know he was a fan and he definitely borrowed, which is cool. So kudos to Peter Jackson for liking such a great movie and hopefully maybe even getting other people to watch it. You know, based on the fact that he borrowed from it, so definitely it's really neat. There's also a part with the mannequin factory too. Which oh yeah! Like it's kind of like way more modern than the rest of the movie, but it's really neat. Um, I read something that compared it to the work of Mario Bava, who was actually Lamberto Bava's father. Um, but not having seen any Mario Bava films, it reminded me really of like Suspiria or Dario Argento. You know, very bright colors and um, you know, sort of strong lighting shadow and um which you know i think that's like an italian horror kind of staple but that part is really cool um because it's so modern and then compared to these like crusty old skeletons and hoods it just has a really neat contrast yeah and that other uh set location where uh these uh knights um, come out from mm-hmm. is also very uh, very gray. Yeah, it's a it's I think it's like a ruined city or something. Yeah, which also sort of looks like the part in um, Fellowship of the Ring where Frodo is running away from Boromir. Um, that yeah. part, that that yeah, whole it definitely ruined, does uh, have that look. Fortress. Yeah. So one thing about this movie, uh, without getting too much into the plot, um, we have this woman who jumps off a moving train at the beginning <laughs> and runs away. Because yeah, and you're, well, you're like, what is she doing? Yeah, because A, who jumps off a moving train? And, of course, it's it's one of those old-style trains where they've got the different uh, compartments and, and, like, the different cars where you've got your dinner car and all this stuff. So she jumps off the train and just runs into this field and ends up at this ruin and decides to stay there. Yeah, you know, she just takes her so backpack I'm out. I'm just going to stay in this creepy gray ruin. Yeah, so that part's a little, you know implausible but it it you know it doesn't detract i mean it has to happen for the for the action in the movie to start but okay now is this the movie with the mouse in the dungeon no <laughs> okay what you know what i'm thinking the, of though you the rat that that bites her yeah that's actually the uh, mystery science theater movie oh. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, cinematic titanic rather. oh yes yes that, yeah, oh, okay no, definitely not definitely not uh the the oozing skull <laughs> <laughs> no. no no rats no sucking poison out of rat bite wounds <laughs> in this movie. But this movie is, uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead is, is yeah, definitely great A material. Yeah, I, I actually, for sure. it's tough to choose a favorite. From, yeah, from I, I think this is this is a, another, you know, of my favorites that I've seen in recent years, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So we also have, rounding out the list, and starting with a Z or Z for you Canadians and British people, uh, we have Zombie Two. Now, this movie, uh, Zombie is Zombie really spelled without an E at the well, end? Well, it was originally called Zombie Two because it's it was promoted as a sequel to Dawn of 
the Dead, which was the George Romero zombie movie, right? which was released in Europe as zombie. So to capitalize on the success of that, the director, who is uh, Lucio Fulci, another Italian horror director, he decided to call it Zombie 2, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and it really is nothing like Dawn of the Dead at all. I mean, it's I'm... totally its own you know, genre of zombie movies. So. No, I don't want anyone to steal my idea, so please don't. And I trust you, but I'm writing a screenplay for Titanic 2. <laughs> but it's actually not going to be about the Titanic at no, all. No, no, not at it's all. It's going to be about, you know, a guy that works in a furniture store. Exactly. Um, yeah, so this movie's really good. It's actually quite different from Dawn of the Dead, though. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about the movie. It was directed by Lucio Fulci, mm-hmm. which is another Italian. I think, how did we choose who was going to talk intro each one just whoever liked yeah, just each kind one of random. and i just happen to like all the italian movies I guess. <laughs> or maybe maybe the list is just full of uh, foreign movies <laughs> i guess we're just snobby that way <laughs> um, anyhow so uh this movie's from 1979 and uh a sailboat arrives in new york and it's just uh, floating around by the uh by the statue of liberty right yeah it's just you know kind of off the off the port like off the coast near the port and nobody's on it they don't yeah. really know what's going on so the coast guard goes to investigate this boat they're uh they're yelling at it over their megaphone or whatever these coast guard guys use and they decide to board the boat which is a bad mistake <laughs> the, the boat is, dun, dun, dun. it seems like it's derelict there, just floating around and uh there's some really gross food items lying around. Isn't it a complete pigsty yeah, inside the cabin? Yeah, it's all messy and disgusting. And then the zombie strikes. <laughs> and the zombie's really gross. The like zombie the, that looks like Tor Johnson from the Ed Wood movies. The, like, the fake zombie. Really he actually looks like uh, some of the zombies you see in the House of the Dead video game where they're just kind of like fumbling towards you and yeah, they're like really big chubby bear and their, their fat zombies. rolls are yeah. bouncing. And, yeah, it's not a good scene. Uh, <laughs> Anyhow, it turns out that this this guy who's now a zombie used to be uh, someone's father, and she is looking for him. So she boards the boat at some point when it's uh, moored. Yeah, the cops won't really tell her anything. Like, I yeah, guess they won't they're kind of suspicious of her, you know, like, why haven't you talked to your father? What's the deal? What's he involved in? So she has to sneak on the boat. And, of course, a journalist who's caught wind of the story, I guess, like on Newswire or something, he's on the boat trying to do his own investigation. So yeah. then they decide to, to join forces. And then mayhem ensues. Exactly. Zombie mayhem. And, uh, and quite a lot of mayhem ensues. Yeah, it's pretty gory. This movie, uh, among other awesome scenes, <laughs> features what I like to call, or what we like to call, zombie versus shark. Yes, and, and, and if you've ever heard zombie versus shark... Um, which you may have. That's where it came from. This is a very famous scene. It's yeah. really well done. Outstanding. And the zombies are, are really gross in this. Yeah, they're, they're disgusting. Now, is this the one where there's the doctor? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there's like That's a voodoo That's a whole angle. other part of the, of the movie because yeah. we've got these, these zombies that show up in New York and then we've got the voodoo part of it where they fly to uh, where is this? Well, they actually take a boat out to this remote island like in the Lesser Antilles or something. Right. 
But yeah, like the whole voodoo angle is really cool because, you know, that was something that was done in early zombie films. Um, like I think White Zombie with Bela Lugosi has a voodoo angle. And Not I to walked, be confused with the band. No, although that's where they got the name. But also I walked with a zombie, um, which we talk about in an article in this issue. Um, there's a voodoo angle to that. So, you know, that's kind of a neat thing. It's not the typical sort of, you know, you don't really know why the zombies are zombies or it's an ecological thing like radiation poisoning or some equipment or medicine or something, experiments that turn them into zombies. It's like a curse. So right. what can you do about it? You know, it's it's just happening. Yeah, and, uh, and so there's this doctor that knows what's going on, and uh, some of his staff know what's going and on. He's kind of fishy, too. Yeah, he really is, trust he's definitely him. fishy. You have to always <laughs> be wary of a doctor who keeps a revolver around. <laughs> right. So, of course, yeah. his patients are zombies, so what do, you, what do you do? Yeah. I think this movie had some really good special effects. Some of it, it's not that it was too gory, but some of the gore wasn't as scary as some of the really cool suspenseful parts. Like, you know, the zombie hand on the on the window. Where when the, the girl's showering. Like peeking through. Yeah, like, that's just really sinister and creepy. He's just trying to get it on. And then, of course, the eyeball scene, which... You just really have to see to believe, which I literally, I think, grabbed a pillow and screamed into it because it was so painful to watch. Also, anything with eyeballs is just squirm, squirm factor through yeah. the roof. The me. soundtrack's good too. It's Fabio Fritzi who's done uh, quite a few Italian films. It's very repetitive. Um, so, you know, when you hear the music, it kind of gives you, like, the vibe of the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it's effective. It's really cool. It's really effective. well done. Not, a, not unlike the haunting Torgo theme. <laughs> but much better. Yeah, oh, definitely much better. <laughs> um, another thing about this movie, uh, which uh, you found a bit distracting, was the gratuitous nudity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and especially there was that one uh, female character that they, they meet up with who just seems to, I'm just going to be naked. <laughs> And, I'm going to be topless, that's, whatever. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to swim in, in zombie and shark-infested <laughs> waters naked because sharks don't like to bite people and, and zombies don't like naked women as shown with the sh- shower scene. <laughs> right. So, of course, she was... Uh, she easy, felt safe. She's right. easy, easy bait right. for, uh, for zombies and sharks. Um, but, yeah, I guess that, again, is typical of a lot of uh, Italian horror movies yeah. is to have uh, nudity. Well, I mean, too, it, it's, like, not as puritanical in Europe as it is maybe in North America. Well, Those definitely. Europeans have, have boobs and commercials. <laughs> yeah, so whatever. It, it It's not really a big deal to them. But for someone who's grown up in North America... It's like, you know, what? What's going on? Why is she naked? Is especially there going to be a sex scene? Especially when there's no reason for the yeah, nudity, though. Like... There's no reason. <laughs> just the camera cuts away from her to the guy, back to her. Oh, she's naked. What <laughs> the hell happened? <laughs> Are we missing a reel somewhere where she says, I'm going to get... I'm going to take all my clothes off. Is, is that guy the character from the extras episode featuring Patrick Stewart? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, good point. But definitely a, a, a top-notch uh, horror movie, although a uh, sequel to Dawn of the Dead, it isn't. Yes, that's true. Now for the not-so-happy part of the podcast is the yeah. five movies that we, we really didn't like. Yeah, and... these are real... Stinkers. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of these movies have 
kind of came highly recommended. So, you know, I might try to rewatch a couple of them if I was, you know, in a more forgiving mood. <laughs> Drunk, maybe. It was, maybe. Just, <laughs> it was just a bad day. But, um, yeah, these just these just really weren't great. And actually, you know what? Some of them had potential. Yeah. And that, and that almost makes it more frustrating. Exactly. When they kind of squander what they had going for them. So this first movie, Creep, by uh, Christopher Smith from 2004... This is a uh, movie from the UK. Uh, Christopher Smith also directed 2006's Severance. Yeah, this movie got a lot of press at the Toronto Film Festival. So Exactly, exactly. So Creep uh, basically takes place in, uh, would you say, a sewer? Well, it's a subway and then a sewer. Right. So it's, it's the underground. It's dingy. And there are creatures or a creature. We don't really know how many there are. But it's taking people killing them mm-hmm. for whatever reason and uh for the most part the, like half the movie i was really really into it yeah maybe and even scared more, maybe even more than half the movie is well done and you don't really see a lot of uh well i don't see a lot of modern horror movies where i'm actually genuinely scared yeah so this one really had that going for it it had the jump factor mm-hmm. the false scares all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you see that is somewhat cliche, but this actually did it well up until the point where we see the monster. And then we're, I guess the director's trying to make us uh, sympathize with the monster because he's sort of, he's captured this woman and has placed her on some sort of uh, gynecologist examination Yeah, chair. which is totally unnecessary and, and so he's got offensive. All these, yeah, he's got all these instruments and he's going to be like, prodding her or whatever it's it's so sick it's really and then he's got these photos and and he's trying to sort of like a bad alien from uh, what's the name fire in the sky when they try to make the aliens have facial expressions or even mission to mars oh yeah this is me like the sad sad monster my daddy beat me and that's why i have to kill people like yeah we don't uh, completely, need to care about this. Yeah, we don't need to know why he's a monster. We don't need to feel sorry for this monster. I mean, in some movies it works, right? And that's fine. But this was so heavy-handed and just yeah, done like, so poorly that was after to convey. after this point in the movie, the rest of the movie was just laughable. Like you could probably remove the scene and the movie would be instantly yeah. Much because better. by the end, like the very last scene is really cool because it kind of takes the main character and completely reverses her social standing so to speak and so that's kind of a neat twist but yeah the the whole sympathy for this creepy guy that you know tortures women on a gynecologist examining chair is like that's just so wrong (laughs) and especially now like you know it's just not it's not cool. He was just an OBGYN trying to practice his love <laughs> for women. A movie actually that has kind of an underground setting uh you know in sewers and tunnels and stuff but was great. Uh maybe we should talk about that in our next horror movie podcast is The Host. Oh yeah. Which is a Korean film from uh, about 2 years ago which was fantastic. All right, is it time to talk about The Hills Have Eyes? Yes, also known as the movie with that guy from The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> Michael Berryman, yep. It's that poor, oh. uh, unfortunate-looking man. But, how, however, he's probably very, uh, very rich yes. because of uh, this movie and, and others like it. 
Uh, Wes Craven directed this, as I'm sure pretty much everyone knows. And I guess that's all we really need to say. This is why it's on our list, because Wes Craven is overrated. Yeah, he's so overrated. I mean, honestly, like, I'd heard so much good stuff about this movie, but... He's like the George Lucas of horror movies. Really, what what has George Lucas done? (laughs) What has he done? It's just, it's really bad. Yeah. The whole redneck hillbilly thing, instead of being creepy or sinister, is kind of like mean-spirited. You know, oh, like definitely. The, you know, these these people, it's almost like um, you know, backwoods people don't sit around with, you know, necklaces made out of bones and, you know, it, it, and bad wigs and oh, I'm gonna slice her up! Like, I mean, it's so over the top. You know, some of the stuff that they do is genuinely creepy. Right. But it's almost like on the verge of being offensive. Like, like, simulated rape and you know all this kind of icky stuff that it just doesn't really gel like it's well just first unpleasant. of all these characters who are supposedly the good guys or the victims they're not yeah you don't care about them people. anyway so that that's true like, like they're jerks cares? they're racist yes they're uh, they're true. privileged they're out on this camping trip they've got guns and uh <laughs> they they're just gross people yeah yeah like i mean sorry i I didn't mean to say they've got guns like having a gun is a bad thing no but they 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 have them they're kind of like you know if anything moves we'll shoot it exactly and you know like what's that about there's nothing around they're out in the desert and uh and yeah just the hillbilly characters especially the leader just yeah, he's so disgusting. unnecessary. Like, what did he? Was he wearing like patches of fur? Or yeah, something, like a loincloth. Yeah, they, or... they look like they got the costumes from you know, like the Halloween dime store or something. Like, yeah. it's really not, bad and not even fake. Not even. Oh, but God. he, for some reason, the uh, the lead um, bad guy reminds me of uh, of a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. He, he did he have that like sort of cartoonish he, quality. He has a, like I could be in in the WWF when it was called that. Right, exactly. So yeah, so, what a what a what a piece of what a turd of a movie. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> um, okay, so then it's uh, <laughs> the, the house with laughing windows, or what I think we refer to as something like the house that was really bad or the house that was the, so terrible we had to turn it off or something. I can't yeah, remember what we, we called it. What did we call it? The pun was so bad, but it was still not as bad as the movie. <laughs> um, so this movie is about uh, some, what he restores uh, Yeah, it's paintings. like a sculptor is hired to restore a fresco in a church, but then it's St. Sebastian being killed with arrows. But then right. he becomes suspicious that maybe... The painting was done from someone actually being killed. Exactly. And so, so the painter, that's like a big scandal. Right. Because the the painting is done, it's on the wall of this uh, church. Yes. And so obviously the painter, while he was painting it, was watching someone getting killed. Which is a cool premise, but it takes about 40 minutes before, you know, you even suspect that that's what's going on. Exactly. And, well, also just the premise is a little far-fetched because a painter painting something as it's happening, painting it on the wall of the church. That is true. Anyhow, and then there's the the weird character who he's what is he like an altar boy, but he's yeah, really I, I old. Don't, I don't know. He rides a bike and <laughs> he says these really non sequitur things. I don't know if it was just I like strawberries. Bad dubbing 
bad editing. Like yes. you're just not really sure what the deal is. It's it, very, very strange. The opening is cool. Like the credit sequence is very creepy and unpleasant, but then it just it, the tone totally changes and it almost becomes like a weird sex comedy. Which I, I it, don't really know. I, I don't know what to think it, of this. It's like, just it's a big just, mess. It's. I don't think we even watched the whole thing. No. I think after about an hour, we were like, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> it's not getting any better. Turn it off. <laughs> it's an Italian film, so you'd think it would at least have some more, you know, shock value, but it was just. Or at least bad. gratuitous annuity and, to yes, keep us watching there for some reason. I don't even think there was any of that. No, there was a tease, though. There was yeah, a there tease. was some grandma panties, I think, at one point. Ah, uh, those grandma oh, panties. Oh, and, and uh, <laughs> it waits, which. Oh, God. All right. I, I rented this because I actually thought it was an older movie. Okay. And when enough. I got it, I saw, oh, it's from 2005. It's sort of like when you rented that movie uh, with Killian Murphy, and I was like, I didn't know Ice T was in this movie. <laughs> Oh, on the edge. Exactly. There's two movies called On the Edge. They sent us the wrong one. Yes, yes. that was that was great fun. So uh, <laughs> it, it waits is, uh, I guess, um, waiting is a big part of this movie. <laughs> a lot of a lot of online reviewers seem to think that this movie's really good because you don't see the monster until the very end. But they must uh, have been getting popcorn uh, in the first two minutes because you see the monster in the first two minutes. Yeah, you see the monster in the first and two minutes. And that ruins it. Like, immediately, you're like, oh, well, that's what we're going to be scared of, and you don't care anymore. Right, but uh, I, I'll say at the beginning, I thought, like, all right, the monster, they show the monster already. Maybe they'll show the monster a lot. Maybe the monster's going to do a lot of stuff. Right, But instead, true. we're treated to uh, montages <laughs> of this really horrible bitch of a woman. <laughs> Who basically a, dr- a drinker who too. just drinks straight and from the bottle and cries, and cries <laughs> about her friend who got killed in this accident when she was driving drunk. And wait, is and so I'm drinking. Isn't there something it. where she's like got a parrot? And yes. then they show the flashbacks of the accident and like there's the cage with the parrot is on the side of the road and the They're parrot's like, like and then her friend's dead. It's like, how does this I parrot... Saw I saw you kill her. How does the parrot survive? Oh, the what a horrible... Dies? It's so What bad. a horrible movie. Now, another thing that's, that's completely unacceptable is the amount of flash editing. Oh, yeah. And it's and, not and just... And that, that, like, almost jump cut. I don't know just, what like, that it's style blurry. is called. It, they, they take the, the actual shot and then they blur it three ways... Or whatever. Well, they must do like a time compression too, where it's like it speeds up and it slows down. Oh, it's horrible. I don't know what that's called. It's horrible. It's it unacceptable sucks, in music videos. It's just whoever invented that, I hope you're dead. <laughs> you know, in terms of the woman with a tragic past in the woods, something's after her. The Descent, which I guess came out in like 2004 or something, that's great. That's mm-hmm. a great a great way to do that storyline where, you know, there's some background with the characters, you care about them, it's tragic, it's scary, it's creepy, but it waits. It you know, it can wait and I'm still not gonna like it. Yeah. It can wait all at once. It it waits should just be called it sucks. <laughs> it it really it sucks. It really did. Now the last movie that we really didn't like, and I think we watched <laughs> Probably the shortest amount of this movie <laughs> of all the movies on the on the we don't like. I keep list. forgetting that this is what the movie's called. We 
watched like 10 minutes. That's so sad. It's so embarrassing. But the poster of this movie, which is called... Did we say what it's called? Nightmare City, is an Italian movie from 1980. And I saw the poster and thought, wow, this looks cool. I read the description. It's like radiation poisoning turns these people into zombies, which clearly was an influence for... um, planet terror in um the grindhouse the quentin tarantino movie right and i think i read later that this you know he really liked this movie but why i don't know. well you know first of all i've seen the george romero films and they didn't have high budgets for some of these so no. you know the special effects are what they are you know they're not totally believable the blood's a little red you can tell that they've got like latex on their faces this didn't even have latex. It was like green makeup that <laughs> right. smeared off when they were like biting people. Like their makeup was rubbing it's, off on the victims. It's sort of like they were uh, a new class of Batman villain. <laughs> I'm I'm the zombie. I'm going to wear green makeup. <laughs> it was horrible. The music. First of all, it starts off in the daytime, which, you know, there are movies that take place in the daytime that are creepy. Right. Uh, Jeepers Creepers is a, a good example of a recent movie. But, you know, there's plenty more. But, um, you know, but the music was like jazzy, like it, it just sounded like suspense music. I don't know if it was the the this dubbed version stuck, had different music, stuck, uh, but it wasn't scary music. at all. It had no suspense. And these zombies like run off a plane with green makeup. You don't even realize they're zombies. You just think they're like, I've been on the plane for five hours. Let me off. And they're like running and sweaty. And it's very confusing. I'm green. I'm green. So <laughs> zombies we're on the plane and actually this movie prompted adam to uh <laughs> our friend adam to lend us this movie uh which goes by two names either it's called plane dead which right. is a pun because they're on a plane right or a uh, flight of the living dead which of course is a pun of uh night of the living dead Wait, and it's it's kind of cheesy but it does have some genuinely oh yeah yeah that movie gross I, I enjoyed it that was movie. a good you know it was a good, uh, I guess, bubblegum horror movie. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is with a lot of zombie stuff, I would tend to say you you can't go wrong with zombies, but Nightmare <laughs> City really proves that well, you can't well, go wrong with zombies. What this movie is most famous for, other than the green paint, bad makeup, and bad music, is the one where the zombie cuts off a boob and eats it. Because, like, there's some aerobics class or something, and the zombie just comes in and just starts hacking away at this woman's boob, and he's, like, gnawing on it, and it's not even gross. Like, it's just, it's bad. It doesn't even look real. And we're just like, what? Would it what be, is that about? Would it be any better if it looked real? I don't well, think so. Well, there is actually another movie on this list. I won't say the name of it, but there is a boob a zombie eating boob scene that's so well done and, oh, right. and you know here I am complaining about these like misogynist things in movies <laughs> with the gynecologist chair but you know that had nothing to do with the plot right I mean it wasn't like dead ringers or something where the, the bad guy is actually a gynecologist and doing like bad things right you know but you know in the other movie that I won't mention sort of a spoiler spoiler without a title um, it, it has relevance in the plot it doesn't just come out of nowhere but in this you know and why does the zombie need a knife i think he uses a knife yeah couldn't he just bite it like oh yeah and you know he's a classy zombie he you know you could eat you could eat your pizza with your hands (laughs) i'm using a knife and fork. i eat my human flesh with a knife and fork exactly so maybe you know if i tried to watch it again when i was in a less 
you know, cynical frame of mind. I don't know. Um, but the music, the music really has a big impact on how you feel. And, you know, jazzy you know, cop chase music, it, it just doesn't go. It of just course. really doesn't yeah. go. So, well, I hope you enjoyed our list of 10 movies to watch and five to avoid. Um, I'd be interested to hear what anybody thinks about the movies that we've talked about, if they've seen them or if they actually go and watch them um, based on our recommendations or our non-recommendations. Right, as yeah. It were. I, I'd actually be more interested in, in hearing from people who liked uh, some of these movies that we don't recommend. Yeah. And just to see uh, what they have to say about it. So uh, stay tuned for uh, the PS to this, which won't be in a podcast, but it will be five more movies that I recommend that are, again, a little bit different from maybe your standard mainstream horror movie fare. And uh, this is Leslie Moore. And this is Sean. Signing out. Bye.